Don't look now. Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast, with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hegeman. As always, coming to you with our stories of the weird, not-so-weird, explained, unexplained, old, not-so-old, <laughs> whatever the case may be, uh, as always, I'm just as much in the dark, actually I'm more in the dark than you are, because you've at least seen a title to a podcast. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Jenny? Founding of America. A founding of America. A specific event. Specific event in the founding of America. Man, um, I'm trying to think of a podcast event in the founding of America. Uh, I don't know. Um, Plymouth Bay. No, we already did that. We did Thanksgiving. Uh, Jamestown. No. Boston Tea Party. There we go. All right. 1773. It's the Boston Tea Party. Yeah. Woohoo. So. Yeah. We are coming out of a year of civil unrest and protest. So I thought, let's talk about the ultimate American version of civil unrest and protest. There you go. Boston Tea Party, December 16th, 1773. All right. You ready for this? Yes. Yes. Okay. So quick synopsis for anyone that is not American or that never paid attention in school. This took place at Griffinsworth in Boston, Massachusetts. And it happened because American colonists were frustrated and angry at Britain for imposing taxation without representation. So they just dumped a bunch of tea into the harbor. That doesn't sound as cool as I think everybody thinks it does, but I'm just going (laughs) to say so. But it was the first act of defiance to British rule over the colonies. Um, And it basically showed that we weren't going to take their shit anymore sitting down. And I've seen since then that tea was crazy expensive at the time. So crazy expensive at the time. Because you were like, tea, tea is cheap. It's just in little Everybody bags that you buy. Everybody tea, yeah. it was fine. Yeah. It's a far more high-end commodity than Than what you than think now. it's going to yeah. be. Yep. Yep. So what started this all was that in the 1760s, Britain was so far down in debt that they just taxed the shit out of everything. Especially, though... They tax the American colonists to help pay off all of these debts. Also, a lot of American colonists originally came to America because they were criminals. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> and a lot of the debt was incurred protecting the American colonies. Exactly. But, you know. So the Stamp Act of 1765 taxed the colonists on virtually every single piece of paper that they used, from playing cards to business licenses to newspapers to legal documents. And then the Townshend Acts of 1767 went further and started taxing things like paint, paper, glass, lead, and tea. In other words, they were just taxing the hell out of everything. And the British government, of course, was like, no, this is so fair because we got so much of this debt because we were fighting wars to, like, get the colonies. Mm Mm-hmm. Were we? Well, we got the old French and Indian War and all that good stuff, you know. Sure. And the colonists, of course, are like, excuse me, what? I disagree with you, good sir. <laughs> and they were furious about being taxed without having any representation in, in Parliament. So it's not like they had a, you know, congressperson there yep. defending them. And they kind of thought it was wrong for Britain to impose these taxes on them just to gain money off of them. So here's how it starts. The year is 1770, March 5th. 
there's a street brawl in Boston between the American colonists and the British soldiers. Um, this is later known as the Boston Manicure Massacre. I like how they call it a street brawl. And then change it to a massacre. It all depends on your you know, perspective there. But yeah. Right? So the fight begins after an unruly group of colonists who are frustrated with the presence of British soldiers in their streets start flinging snowballs, ice, and oyster shells <laughs> at the British Sentinel guarding the Boston Customs House. Oyster shells, huh? The oyster shells is the part they yeah, got Yeah, I have not heard that before. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. So reinforcements start to arrive, and they open fire on the mob and end up killing five of the colonists and wounding six of them. And then this massacre has further fallout because it incites all of the colonists into this big rage against them. So Britain eventually repeals the taxes it has imposed on the colonists except for the tea tax. (laughs) And they weren't about to give up the tax revenue on the nearly 1.2 million pounds of tea that the colonists drank a year. (laughs) Seems like a lot of tea. Yeah. Water must have been so bad. Yeah, it's back before we got into coffee. Yeah. So in protest, the colonists decide to boycott any tea sold by the British East India Company and smuggled in Dutch tea, which of course leaves the British East India Company with millions of pounds of surplus tea and facing bankruptcy. Nice. That is some real boycott bullshit right there. (laughs) Getting that Dutch tea, huh? Yeah. We just smuggled in something across the border. It was fine. So May 1773... British Parliament passes the Tea Act, which allowed British East India Company to sell tea to the colonies duty-free and much cheaper than other tea companies, but they would still tax the tea by the time it reached the colonial ports. Because yeah, how much fun is it to piss people off when you can? <laughs> so tea smuggling, of course, just increases. Um, as soon as you outlaw something, they just bring it over the borders a different way. Although the cost of the smuggled tea starts to surpass that of the tea from the British East India Company with the added tea tax. Still, there's some pretty prominent tea smugglers, including John Hancock and Samuel Adams. There you go. There we go, right? They were the biggest, like, protesters of the taxation without representation, but also wanted to protect their tea smuggling enterprises. Um, So they helped the colonists continue to rail against the tea tax and the British control over their interests. People. Yeah, sounds about right. You know, nothing like this goes down without a lot of self-interest in <laughs> certain people. I'm self-interest. <laughs> so the Sons of Liberty were a group of colonial merchants and tradesmen that they were founded to protest the Stamp Act and other formations of taxation. The group of revolutionists included prominent patriots like Benedict Arnold, Patrick Henry, and Paul Revere, as well as Adams and Hitchcock. Led by Adams, the Sons of Liberty held meetings rallying against the British Parliament and protesting the Griffin's Worth arrival of the Dartmouth, which was a British East India Company trading ship that had tea. So it's December 16th, 1773. The Dartmouth has been joined by the Beaver and Eleanor. Who came up with these names? (laughs) The Dartmouth, the Beaver, and the Eleanor. They don't go together. (laughs) Hmm. I kind of get why Eleanor... But the beaver, that's the one that really bothers me. (laughs) All three arrive from China loaded with tea. So that morning, thousands of colonists convene at the wharf and all the surrounding streets. There's this big meeting at the Old South Meeting House where a large group of colonists voted to refuse to pay the tax on the tea or allow the tea to be unloaded, stored, sold, or used. Here's a little interesting tidbit for you. 
the ships were all American ships. <laughs> they were all built and owned by Americans. Interesting. They just didn't like their cargo. <laughs> well, that explains why they threw it overboard as opposed to sinking the ships, I guess. Exactly. So Governor Thomas Hutchison refused to allow the ships to return to Britain and instead ordered the tea tariff be paid and the tea unloaded. The colonists, of course, are like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And Hutchison never offered a satisfactory compromise. So here's what really happened that night. All right. That night, a large group of men, many reportedly members of the Sons of Liberty, disguised themselves in Native American garb. And at this point, I would like to point out that if you ever took anthropology at K-State, yeah, specifically the capstone course under a particular male professor with a lot of white hair, <laughs> I can't imagine who that would be. Huh? I can't imagine. Yeah. He has a Wikipedia page. Please mess with it. Yeah. However, the answer is Mohican. Mohican Indians, specifically, in All 1773. Right. So they were making sure they looked like Mohicans, because I'm sure they truly thought they were Mohicans. It had nothing to do with that. He just really wanted to know that as an answer. <laughs> Any hoosies. Disguised as Native Americans, they boarded the dock ships and threw 342 chests of tea into the water. One of the participants says, We then were ordered by our commander to open the hatches and take out all the chests of tea, throw them overboard, and we immediately proceeded to execute the orders, first cutting and splitting our chests with our tomahawks, as so to expose them to the effects of the water more soundly. He also noted they were completely surrounded by British armed ships. (laughs) But no attempt was made to resist them. That seems a little sketch to me. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, open fire on the tea ships? I mean... I guess that's true. But also, they may not have realized what was going on. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would have. Yeah, I mean, depending on if those ships had a detachment of, you know, British Marines that they could actually send ashore and do something with. Not only that, what does it really look like when you're emptying chests of something into the ocean? I mean, you could be cleaning something. Yeah, I mean, even if they think they're up to no good, I mean, if if they're not going to sink the ship, right? what are they going to do if they don't have troops to send in? So, you know. Hashtag, dear reader, it's obvious Will and I don't live by the ocean. Moving (laughs) forward. All right. It took nearly three hours for the more than 100 colonists to empty the tea into the Boston Harbor. The chest held more than 90,000 pounds or 45 tons of tea, which would have cost about a million dollars today. Nice. It's a lot of money. So while some important colonist leaders, such as John Adams, were just super excited to learn that the Boston Harbor was covered in tea leaves, a few of them were like, ha, oops. For example, in 1774, George Washington wrote, the cause of Boston ever will be considered as the cause of America. But his personal views, <laughs> he very strongly voiced disapproval of the conduct in destroying the tea. He thought that the Bostonians were mad. Um, and he basically was like, this is some real bullshit here, team. What are you <laughs> doing? And then you have good old Benjamin Franklin, who insisted the British East India Company be reimbursed for the cost of the lost tea and even offered to pay it himself. Interesting. I, Did sir, no. no. Did not know he had that much money on him. I knew he was well-to-do, but... That's wild. So at the end of the day, nobody was hurt. Aside from the destruction of the tea and a padlock, no property was ever damaged or looted during the tea party. 
And most people actually left without incident, and they supposedly even swept the decks before they left. So there was <laughs> no mess left behind. Nice. Very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Though led by Sam Adams and his Sons of Liberty and organized by John Hancock, the names of many of those involved in the Boston Tea Party party are unknown. Um, thanks to their costumes, only one of the Tea Party culprits, Francis Ackley, was arrested and imprisoned. So even after the War of Independence, participants refused to reveal their identities, fearing that they could still face civil and criminal charges as well as condemnation from elites for the destruction of private property. Most participants were under the age of 40, and 16 of them were teenagers. But we don't know who yeah. they were. <laughs> well, we know how old they were. Huh? Right? So we obviously know who they are. Yeah. Interesting. Right? So despite the lack of violence, the Boston Tea Party didn't go unanswered by George III and the British par- Parliament. In retribution, they passed the Coercive Acts, also known as the Intolerable Acts. So what they did for that was... They closed the Boston Harbor until the tea loss in the Boston Harbor was paid for. They ended the Massachusetts Constitution and ended free elections of town officials, moved judicial authority to Britain, and British judges basically created martial law in Massachusetts. They required colonists to quarter British troops on demand, and they extended the freedom of worship to French-Canadian Catholics under British rule, which pissed off all the Protestant colonists. (laughs) Like, man... So we are already mad at you yeah. for imposing on us, yeah. and now you're going to do it more. No, sir. My favorite, maybe most American thing of that is the last bit of, you know, <laughs> the way they're going to get even with us is being tolerant of other people. Right? <laughs> you're going to bring us the We're going to be tolerant of those people, whether you like it or not. Take that. So the big yeah. dream, of course, is that this is going to squelch any thoughts of rebellion in New England, mm-hmm. which, of course, it does the what? Opposite. Exact freaking opposite. Yeah, that's how things work. Right? So all the colonists are like, excuse me? No, sir. And they just viewed this as further evidence of Britain's tyranny and rallies to Massachusetts' aid. So now we not only have Boston pissed off, but now you've pissed off all the colonies. And they start sending supplies and plotting, as we do. And then a second Boston Tea Party takes place March of 1774, when around 60 Bostonians boarded the ship Fortune and dumped 30 chests of tea into the harbor. Wasn't nearly as exciting as the first one, yeah. since most people don't know about it, but it did encourage other tea dumping demonstrations in Maryland, New York, and South Carolina. Nice. So a bunch of people thought, no, sir, you have gone too far to Britain. So on September 5th of 1774... Delegates from all 13 colonies except Georgia met in Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia for the First Continental Congress to figure out what to do about the British. The delegates were divided on how to move forward, but the Boston Tea Party was like, this means we actually have to do something because otherwise we're going to lose our damn mind. So by October of 1774, they wrote the Declaration and Resolves, which ensured or censored the British for passing the Coercive Acts established a boycott of British goods, declared the colonies had the right to govern independently, and rallied colonists to form and train a colonial militia. Um, Britain kind of didn't fall in line, so within a few months was the shot heard around the world, and then the American Revolutionary War began. There you go. Interesting stuff. I just... A lot of this could have been avoided if we hadn't of continually, like, 
pushed the button, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's always interesting hearing about the Revolutionary War stuff because, you know, as a kid, you know, it was all patriotism, all this sort of stuff. You get older and it's all... Politics, politics, politics. politics. Well, I guess you get older and it becomes tax evasion and eventually it becomes politics, politics, politics. That's true. Who was was really coming out on top by self-rule? Who was really pushing for this? Who was trying to persuade others into it? It gets interesting, but, you know. And nobody ever really won. I think that's yeah. the thing that's really frustrating about this. It all feels very ill one. Yeah. So let's go down a rabbit hole. The earliest known reference to the phrase Boston Tea Party comes from a newspaper on December 30th, 1825. Nice. It was at a dinner celebrating the landing of the Pilgrims, W.P. Hawks, um, and he offers the following toast, the Boston Tea Party. May tyrants and oppressors throughout the world be speedily invited to, like, in entertainment. Then shortly afterward, in 1826, another story mentions a temperate, hearty old veteran named Joshua Waith, who often boasts of the Boston Tea Party. Initially, the phrase may have been referred to as the party of men who dumped the tea, not the event itself. Mm-hmm. And then in 1829, for an obituary, um, Nicholas Campbell reported that he was one of the ever-memorable Boston Tea Party so for the first 53 years afterward, people referred to the events of 1773 as the destruction of tea in the Boston Tea Party. Okay. Which I like. The destruction of the tea. <laughs> it sounds very nothing. It's the day we destroyed the tea. Uh, most Americans were pretty uncertain about whether it was a good idea to destroy the tea or not. I can't imagine that we were <laughs> torn on that. Like I said, Benjamin Franklin was against it. Some newspaper pieces denounced the destruction of the tea. Um, and within months, the British response was the coercive acts. They did inspire the colonists to reconsider their relationship entirely, though. So once learning of the coercive acts, George Washington was like, you know, the cause of the Boston and all these measures in respect to it now and ever will be considered as the cause of America. Not that we approve of it. Yeah. But it is our cause. <laughs> Don't be a jerk. The nice. Boston Tea Party is not a great example of nonviolent civil disobedience. <laughs> yes, it was nonviolent. Yes, they sweep the deck. However, first, the Bostonians committed property destruction. And rather than violence, the destruction of tea was kind of a culminating act of violent series and deeds against the government. Um, Bostonians also intimidated importers and custom officials. They threw rocks and shattered windows. They printed death threats. Like, they weren't cool, man. (laughs) And then when Charles Connor was caught trying to pocket tea on board the Beaver the night of the 16th of 1773, (laughs) he was stripped of his coat, covered in mud, and beaten as he left. So, like, it wasn't completely nonviolent. So... Um, it was nothing but their utter aversion to make any disturbance that kept him from being tarred and feathered because they didn't want people to realize what was going on. Interesting. That's what happens when you join the Boston Tea Party and you try to sneak some tea out, huh? I guess. So you made the comment that coffee, like we didn't start drinking coffee till after that. So current reason, so there's an ongoing myth that ever since the Tea Party, Americans still liberally choose coffee over tea. (laughs) Yes and no. The coffee of Brazil and in the Caribbean is just 
easier and cheaper to get. Yeah. So that may have really been the reason um, because tea was subject to so many trade restrictions. So, yes, Americans engaged in boycotts of tea in 1774, but their prejudice didn't really last. And they had a ton of fond memories of drinking coffee before that, too. Interesting. Yeah. So... That's the uh, Boston Tea Party there, Will. Yeah, because that's something that is definitely a cultural difference that, you know, I mean, just about every other colony still is very much tea-based. I mean, you know, you talk to Aussies, you talk to, you know... Oh, no. They they still like tea. Aussies? Their coffee is supposed to be something special. That's good. I understand their coffee shops are really taken off. Yeah. You just go everywhere, and there's an electric tea kettle in like every single room. It's like the you know it's a standard hotel accoutrement that you have an electric tea kettle for every room everywhere, and you know that's you just can do not a, a thing here. Tea kettle. Yeah, true. I think it's funny, um, you know, whenever you say oh, I'm going to make tea, and then you stick water in a microwave, and how it like blows up British people's minds. Yeah, uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> I I understand why it is kind of sketchy. Why? Why do they? Why are they bothered by heating water in a microwave as opposed to an electric tea kettle? I, I haven't figured that out. I don't know. Do they not? Maybe they don't have microwavers. I don't know. But like, I mean, there's a. I've, I've seen and read things where they're particularly horrified by people, you know, warming their water in the microwave for tea. And I always like, why? Why does the heat source matter to you? I, you know, clearly it is. It's just horrifying to them, and I'm like, what? what if you're British, please write in now. Yeah, please, please let me know why this is because I do not do not know. It's I mean, just steep in tradition. Yeah, I just generally do not like tea and nice pun there. Um, but yeah, so I've I've never never made tea in multiple different ways because I just don't like tea. But it's just dirty water. It's not. As an avid tea drinker, you're wrong. First off, second <laughs> off, <laughs> second off. Really differentiate. I think for one thing, when we make tea, we tend to make iced tea with sugar in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I don't have to have cooked on a stove. Yeah, like because it has to set and cool. Anyway. Had, yeah, I mean, we. I grew up. My parents always made sun tea. I mean, sun tea right. was the thing that they always did. But, oh, but God. and I, I would it. blow British people's minds yeah. knowing yeah. that it sets out for like forty-eight hours in the yeah. sun with that yeah. tea bag in it. Yep. But yeah, at least for me. Tea, I think my problem with tea is it doesn't have a strong enough taste of its own. So it tastes like it dirty tastes water. like dirty water. Oh, yeah. Like coffee tastes like coffee. It doesn't taste like water that's with true. coffee in it. That's true. You know, that's that, that's the differentiation for me is it, if it, for tea, it, it tastes like, you know, warm water, which is gross with some stuff in it, you know, which, yeah, just, uh, I can't, I can't dig it. Just doesn't work. I can't say I fully disagree with that. Although, give me some sweet tea. Not real sweet tea. Like, I need something between British and Southern tea. Like, that, eh. Yeah. I would call it, I guess, white people tea. Yeah, I mean, Southern tea is just pure diabetes juice. But, you know, it's... Yeah, but they put citrus in it, which is what really sells it for me. Yeah. Because I, yeah, you know, once once we moved to Florida, that's when I first really encountered... Southern sweet tea places because it you know suddenly became just a thing that was everywhere. sold everywhere and it was like huh all right sugar water with <laughs> it's not just dirty water it's now dirty sugar water but yeah it's uh, what are your strong feelings on Kool Aid I like Kool Aid 
like Kool-Aid too. But I don't like weak Kool-Aid. If, if you made the Kool-Aid too weak, it would be disgusting. And that's the region the tea is in. Like, if, if you get enough flavoring in it that it is now Kool-Aid and not Kool-Aid-flavored water, right. then, then I'm good. But that's... That's why I don't really like the slightly flavored waters that they have now no everywhere. You know, water. it's kind of like, it's like, it's like water that's been tainted. I don't, you know. It's the essence yes, yeah. of a grapefruit. Yeah. It's not really grapefruit. Yeah. It just, it's as though a grape was rinsed. Yeah. And then they dropped that rinsed water into your drink. It's as if somebody drank grapefruit juice and didn't bother to clean the cup and then gave it to you. That's exactly. that's, that's what it tastes like. And that's, that's exactly where I'm just like, eh, like somebody didn't clean this cup well enough. What's... I love that stuff. What's the yeah. deal? There's something, like, genetically wrong with me or something. No. It's something amazing. genetically wrong with me, because the majority of people agree with you. So, no, they yeah. don't. I, so I went and saw some of my family recently, and I was telling them how much I was enjoying my slightly raspberry-flavored drink that mm-hmm. doesn't taste like raspberries. And my cousin was like, you like that? That's so bitter, though. And I was like, is, is it? Have I just become so averse to most sugar that I don't realize? It's a good place to be. Please send more margaritas. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with the margaritas. That's good. It's the right amount of sugar. It doesn't taste like margarita-flavored water. It tastes like margarita, so it's, it's good. Yeah. No, I do, I do like those little flavored water things. <laughs> Clearly other people do, too, because every brand in the world has their own version of, like, slightly flavored water. So. And now they're doing, everybody has their own slightly flavored yep. beer water. Yep. Some of those are good, some of them are not. <laughs> I've not had those yet, so. Wait, let me tell you. Yeah. So it's a long world, man. Cool. Well, good to know. Now I know more about the Boston Tea Party. Beyond just a picture of... People dressed up as Native Americans throwing stuff in the water. That's right. Yep. That's what we like to do. Now I know they're Mohicans, so there we go. Man, I don't think they were. I think they were Iroquois, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Because Iroquois would make more sense in that area. Yeah. But they specifically dress like Mohicans. I'm sure they specifically dressed like something and had no freaking idea, as most, you know. (laughs) I doubt if Americans have... Not changed a whole lot over the last 200 years. I'm sure it was just like, these headdresses looked cool. Let's go with it. And, you know. Yeah, I very, very much remember the very specific photo from our social studies book where they had the shaved, just like. Yeah. Just that one circle of hair with a braid. Yep. I want to say that's Iroquois. You think that would make them easy to (laughs) shave? If they did indeed do that, you think it would make it a little easy to apprehend them the next day. Yes. Oh, everybody with shaved heads. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sirs. Yep. I don't know. Nice. There you go. Well, cool, cool. As always, thank you, everybody. Um, You know, rate, subscribe, review, check us out. Go back, watch one of our many hundred plus other episodes. Yes, please. Listen away. And uh, we will catch you all in a week. Bye. Bye.